Hello, everybody. You're tuned into the Night of the Creepcast podcast. I'm your host, Creepcaster, and on today's episode of Caster Chats, I have the absolute pleasure of talking to the composer responsible for all of your chlorophobic-induced nightmares, Mr. John Masari himself. How are you doing today, Mr. John Masari? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. So, how about we talk about yourself a little bit, just for the the casual viewing fans that may not know who you are. Are you sure? I I thought we were going to talk about you. Oh, about me. (laughs) Well, all right. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, because you know all about me, I'd just like to know a little bit more about you, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, my name's Trinidad. I'm a huge horror enthusiast. Um, I absolutely love doing what I do. My top favorite horror movies consist of Scream, mm-hmm. uh, 1996. You have Halloween, 1978. Right. You have Killer Clowns, <laughs> 1988, <laughs> uh, and then Sinister, 2012, is one of my uh-huh. favorite paranormal movies. That's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, I'll, I'll uh, and and are you a filmmaker, or you're just primarily concentrating on on um, uh, YouTube content, or or uh, just blog content, or what? Well, it kind of started out as just something me and my buddy were doing and my friends were like, hey, you know, you have one of those kind of newscaster, broadcaster types of voices and you mm-hmm. do pretty good on a podcast and you'd be able to share your vast knowledge of uh, horror that you wouldn't typically find out of your, you know, average 15 mm-hmm. year old. So yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Great. Yeah, you do it. have a good I was going to say you do have, you have good broadcast voice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, about me, I'm a, what we call, back when I started, you, you, I would call myself a film composer or a film slash TV composer, uh, yeah. but th- that term has changed in the past, I'd say, mm, maybe 10 years, and we go by media composer, whereas... Um, you know, we're defined where you're doing music for media because, you know, we just don't have television anymore. We just don't have uh, movies in a movie theater anymore. We have media. It's, it's uh, everywhere. Anything that can reproduce an image is now producing a, uh, uh, is also, you know, streaming movies and music and TV shows from all eras. People are discovering, uh, uh, content that they never knew existed um and uh that goes with me even you yeah. know i mean there are there are things i remember sort of watching when i was a kid like when i was a kid way back when uh saturday morning they would show uh cowboy movies well i didn't realize these cowboy movies were made 30 years before i was born and i used to think they were really cool and then i went on youtube and lo and behold just about every cowboy movie and serial they used to play movie serials in the movie theater in other words they used to have half hour episodes of batman it was in black and white there's so batman like a break in intermission uh, or before the movie went on for your price oh. of admission there was a day where you saw a cartoon you saw a newsreel you know to keep up on the news um that was updated like every few days 
and you saw um, maybe uh, they called it the, the they called them um, the cereals. There could there was Buck Rogers in the 21st centuries. There was all kinds of cowboy cereals that would play, and like about every couple of weeks there'd be a new one. And so people would not only want to come see the main feature, whatever the heck movie was the main feature yeah. they would want to see these serials oh let's see the next whatever cowboy show and i remember there was a series called uh rocky lane texas ranger right yeah and i didn't understand any of it when i was a kid now that i'm watching it as an adult it's pretty damn sophisticated the score music scores are re excellent exquisite some some of them were done by 20th century fox and some composers i will not mention their name they're still in they, they're still in the business they said they cut their teeth making music for these various serials and they never got credit right and um so it's interesting to now to hear that with a, a a more critical ear so anyways i went in a bit of music in a in a bit of media history i hope that's okay <laughs> yeah that's fine um i actually really like that you touched on that because uh -huh. while doing research i found out that your golden dream pretty much is doing a western um what kind mm -hmm. of inspired you to do that was it more of like the john wayne films or because i used to mm -hmm. watch that with my grandparents john wayne yeah and, uh, right lone ranger well, I, like I said, with my grandpa, we used to watch one of three things, wrestling, <laughs> cowboy movies, or the news, where that was it. And my grandfather, who's, who's from Italy, his, his uh, colloquialisms in English were all like kind of adopted from Westerns. Like he actually used to say, if you get upset at me, he would actually say, I'm going to fix your wagon, you know, because he... You heard that in westerns, right? <laughs> so, um, so was it my dream to do a western? How do I go about that? Well, it kind of ha happened. You know, some things in this business. If you, um, uh, there's a, a Roman poet uh, named Virgil said that um, all um, all hardship can be overcome by persistent. Well, you can substitute hardship with goal. All goals can be you know conquered with persistence so you know you stay in the business long enough you work with enough people you start attracting people that start that have things that are are suited for you yeah Does that make sense so uh i got a call uh january of last year from josh becker now josh becker was referred to me by a very good friend and uh joe laduca was unable to work on his movie and now this is you have to understand this is the sam raimi crowd these yeah. are the crowd of people that work with sam raimi and he said listen i got uh, a referral to work with you uh but i know you as the killer clowns guy i go <laughs> well yeah yeah but i i, I do other of music course. too it's like you're not just the western guy you used to do xena princess warrior you know we all did different things we all wear different hats but i must tell you i cut my teeth on a tv series a long time ago called little house in the prairie which is basically kind of a western yeah so he goes uh and i go and and it just so happened by chance i happened to be um binge watching all these westerns when i was a kid uh but that were on youtube i must have watched like i said uh, rocky lane texas ranger i must have watched 
30, 40, how, how many of the, whatever the maximum, whatever they made, I all watched the seasons it all. just binge watched it back to back. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so this was like in uh, like the holiday season before January or February. So I was like immersed in that genre. So when it came to doing this Western and you can hear it on my SoundCloud, it's called a movie called Warpath. And he says, I just want to tell you, I don't want to do I want to do a traditional Western. I want a traditional Western score like the old days. Like, you mean like RKO? Yeah. You mean like old 20th century, uh, old 20th century Fox Western? Yeah. Okay. You've got it. I, I can do that. So um, I did a demo for him. Uh, he had uh, temp tracked the movie, the front of the movie with a little bit of Aaron Copeland, which is a classical composer who, who does you know, captured the Amer sound of Americana in his music. And I uh, listened to that, I go, oh, that's a pretty, you know, I thought to myself, that's a pretty good choice. That's a pretty good choice, but I think I know what I'm gonna do. So I, I used that as my uh, jumping off point. I, I wasn't gonna do something like Aaron Copeland. I basically, you know, did music that I knew would work for this Western and I sent it off to him and be quite frank with you, they were a little bit nervous because they had never worked with anyone else but Joe LaDuca. And Joe LaDuca mm -hmm. is a very good composer. I don't blame them. And I said, you're in good hands, but they're not going to believe it until they hear what I did. So yeah. I, I spent about a week, week, week and a half composing and then producing because there's several phases yeah. to making music. Um, and um, I had my basic themes and melodies in that opening sequence was kind of like, um, <clears throat> kind of like an overture. It had most of the themes that are going to appear in the rest of the movie are introduced at this opening section. So he heard it and they were just happy. They were just happy. And that's what it goes down to. It's not like someone, you know, let's say if it didn't work out for them, they'd say, I'm sorry, it didn't work out for them. But um, <clears throat> working in this industry, it's like you're, sol you're, you're providing solutions. Some yeah. people say you're solving a problem. Anything you can, anytime you can, I don't like to use the word solving a problem. I like to say providing a solution. So anytime, you, anything you do, if you want to get into cinematography or into editing, if you can provide a solution, all of a sudden everyone's happy. That's one thing we don't have to worry about anymore because this person has come onto our team to make that happen. So that's how that happened. That's, that's, it's, that's how that came about. I mean, it could be, Fate could have been such a um, in such a way that Joe LaDuca was a fully available, you know. Yeah. And uh, we, I wouldn't be talking about a Western, but I had so much fun. I worked on it for about two and a half, maybe three months. I had so much. Why did it take so long? Is because I was performing all the music on top of it, and they mm -hmm. wanted a very orchestral sound. And you can do that with computers. It just takes a lot of time to massage everything such that it sounds real and it sounds organic and what have you so and that was a that was a lot of fun it was almost kind of like a vacation for me as a composer yourself um staying on the the, the country sorry the uh, the western topic a little bit um <laughs> how is it hearing and seeing how it holds up with you know, iconic songs such as The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. Uh, with oh, I see what you mean. Well, what I love about The Good and Bad and the Ugly is that was very, um, there's a term I like to use for that type of score. It, it, it's very indigenous 
mm-hmm. where <clears throat> Ennio Morricone says in, in The Good and Bad and the Ugly, he was trying to mimic the sound of coyote calling from huh. from a farm. You know, ah, 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 ah. and that's what he's trying to do. You know, try So he's adding an indigenous thing. My particular thing was like a story. It was a, actually kind of a, a love story. So it had a bit of romanticism in that. It was a, kind of a different uh, sort of thing. Um, but uh, but I love that type. Of, I would love to do that kind of score. I, I tell you, if I had my druthers and I had a second chance to do another score, I would rescore uh, a Bigfoot movie I did. Because I wanted oh, to do yeah. some, I wanted to do some indigenous stuff, and I did do that. If you watch the beginning of the of the thing, you'll hear these very interesting organic uh, uh, forest like sounds that I was able to like bring in the like the howl, like a distant howl of a like a howler monkey, but of course it's a, a bigfoot. I was able to put that, but I wasn't able to do that for the whole thing. Yeah, it was. It was. It became very formulaic. So it's like I kind of like went into like thriller, thriller movie mode, you know, so to speak. Um, but that's one I would have liked to employ that. What Ennio uh, Morricone did for a Good and Bad and the Ugly, uh, that indigenous sound, something that sounds interesting. That when you hear the music, oh, that's for this movie. Uh, that's not for something else. Um, I saw a movie called Ritual that was really good about um, mm. three guys that are hiking through, um, I think somewhere like in Finland, and they hike through this um, forest and they come across this crazy creature and they come across a, a population of people that live under the um, live under the domination of this crazy devil-like creature, and that had a great score. It was done by the same composer who did The Witch. Uh, and I love that score also. So, um, anyways. Yeah, uh, I believe the, the film you were talking about previously was Willow Creek. I believe that was... Uh, Cherokee Creek. Cherokee Creek, gotcha. Yeah, by my good pal uh, Todd Jenkins. You should check it out. It's a insane, insane. That's what I love about Todd. He's insane. He says, John, everything, everyone thinks I'm crazy doing this movie, but man, let me tell you, I'm getting sick and tired of editing movies and having them go nowhere. So I'm going to do my own. I go, hey, Todd, I'll, I'll be there for you. We had done like about three other movies together and uh, we always worked well. Uh, he's, he's not only a crack editor, but he's proved himself pretty, a pretty decent director, you know, um, uh, and I think he's, he, I think he's got some more movies uh, under his belt that he should do. And yeah, I'll you, definitely do that. You should do that, Todd. You should do it. Do more <laughs> movies. I'm pointing at you. Do more movies. Um. Wow, there's so there's so much stuff that you, you brought up right there that was really well to talk about. Um, the ambience can be used in a lot of films. How you were talking about how you wanted to use it throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. and you were only really able to be tied down to the first part yeah yeah i I wasn't able to be as experimental because the turnaround time was really fast okay you know uh because you need time to collect your sounds you know to uh, to get in the spirit of what your concept is all about you need time for that and then you need time to uh, collect it all physically 
we're talking about musical material and you know audio recordings of yeah. what you need you know um uh, there was no budget for a team. Otherwise, I would hire guys. I go, listen, I need you to go uh, give me wood, anything, to, uh, any sound effects that I can turn into music that are uh, that are uh, <clears throat> that are illustrative of being in the forest at night, you know. And people that that that's their specialty. They they would do that, and they would bring it to me, and then I would figure out, okay, how how am I going to make music out of this? Which is the fun part of it yeah know, it's it the real fun part but to physically go out and start recording i mean that's why you have like three or four guys and some some sound designer people have tons of stuff already that they've done that they've never used and so i can put that into like a virtual instrument and manipulate it and um so uh but on this particular one we had to kind of go like uh let's just go with a terror score you know yeah. it's just you know uh we, we meant by the numbers so to speak there were some spots that were really cool then other spots is by the numbers yeah a lot of ambience and then you also have the, those kind of key chimes that will come in mm -hmm. and give you that that unsettling feeling if you will. right right uh and that, that's really good um from there how about we start talking a little bit about killer clowns go right ahead what what I tell you what, I, I could sit here and talk about <laughs> for hours about every aspect of it, but I don't know what, what our time constraint is. And, and I actually do have homework to do. I, I would love to yeah. you know if we were face to face in person, we'd probably be talking about this for hours and then you can edit oh, easily. <laughs> yeah. So tell me where, uh, you know, uh, well, you want me to tell it, I could start from the beginning, tell you how I came to it because people that are interested in being in the media business on all sorts of <clears throat> levels, not just making music. Maybe someone wants to be a cinematographer. Maybe someone wants to be an actor. Someone wants to be an editor. Um, I mean, everyone's got to get their start somewhere. Yeah. The paths that, you know, work their way to where you wind up are, are you know, it, it takes a while to like analyze them. You don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. But just about everything you do adds up and will lead you to where you have to go. I don't, I don't mean to sound too philosophical, but no, you're fine. it goes, it goes to, you know, if you <clears throat> keep your, all your ducks in a row, you're straight with people, you're honest, uh, you, um, treat people right and avoid people that don't treat you right. Avoid them, yes, you know, sir. uh, you know, if I was going to say, by the way, I'll take a little side note here. If anyone's going to go to college to study music, all my power, all power to you. However, I highly recommend you, you don't wind up in debt. But when you're in college, you have to take other requirement, other classes besides music, psychology, take notes and save those notes all your life because you are going to run into people with, um, Oh, for lack of better terms. Oh, I'll just go right out. You'll run into psychopaths. You run, in, run into narcissists and you won't know you're working with them until it's too late. So you need to know how to recognize all of that. And if it's, you know, there are people that are functioning not narcissists that are not bad people. Yeah. And then, it's, you know, it's just, they're functioning. Uh, but there are some people that they're basically dangerous and they can't, they, they those are the ones that, you know, anytime someone tells you, 
that, oh, that last person I worked with was just an absolute monster. And we'll talk about a half an hour about how this other person was a monster. That's about how ev everyone that they've ever associated with was a monster because they couldn't understand them. That, that's a big red flag right there. Yeah. Because there are some people I got along with, I didn't get along with, some people I agreed with and didn't disagree with, but I didn't like hate their guts. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, you have to, if you're going to go to college, be very... Uh, um, aware of that but if you attract good people you stay with good people you see people that can like that that you can learn things from that uh that maybe you can impart some things for them and they can impart things for you well, you know you'll, you'll find yourself in increments moving up nothing happens you're not gonna get it's you're not gonna get a very um, quick rewards you, you know everything's little steps at a time so Baby with killer steps. clowns how did i how did i get the phone call eric young uh was the one that introduced you correct well before eric young there was another fellow that i i'm not gonna mention his name because i don't think he wants to talk about it but yeah there was a producer that i work with that uh he, he was a really great guy very well read uh and he um came across came across bad times it, it, basically everything dropped out uh, of his world and he found himself you know he can only live so long at the um, at the uh, studios he was he was renting so uh, he we were roommates for a few years and one day he uh, came he was very like I say he was very well read he was always going to the library always working on his next move you know what I'm saying he was always two steps ahead yeah yeah he's just trying you know says okay what am I gonna do to from here to move from this point where I'm at now to move to the next point to get back to where uh, I want to be so he was always in the library reading and reading all the time just voracious reader and he came across an article in um, in some like a cinematography magazine yeah. that someone was looking for a, a composer for their trailer and this is back in Washington DC and so he came my friend this other friend says I got this little thing here uh, maybe you want to uh, apply for it and so what I did was it was uh, I prepared a tape mm -hmm. put it in an envelope send it to the address <laughs> and that was Eric Young right yeah. send it to the address and after a month you know today it would be in a flash you know you would send your SoundCloud link and it's done anyway <laughs> so I had to prepare a cassette stick it in an envelope so this is how old school right so um, hey, it's all making a comeback though too Oh, cassettes? Yeah, cassettes yeah. and VHS tapes, and I love that. I, right. I'm an old soul that lives in, you know, the 80s and 90s. And vinyl, like, so you like vinyl? Yeah. Let me tell you, I tell you, to me, what kicks ass on vinyl is real to real. If you get a 15-inch, a 15 ips, 15 inches per second real to real, that is the pinnacle of analog, if you want to go for analog. Uh, seven and a half inches per second is pretty good, too. And I, I have some albums. Uh, on seven and a half, but I don't have a real to real, I don't have a real, real player anymore. But anyway, so back to this uh, thing. So I sent the tape, and so about a month later, I get a call, and that was Eric Young. And he says, I heard your music, I really, really like it, and maybe we can, uh, you know, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. Anyways, I did his trailer, and it worked out well for him. He really liked it. And uh, a, maybe about a year after that, a couple of years after that, I had just finished the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. And he had started, I think he had started working at Disney at that point at the, oh, wow. at the, at the, uh, the main headquarters. Um, uh, he had working, working in, uh, I, I think in, um, 
in an administrative like i think transportation vehicles and stuff like that anything to get his foot in the door which was really smart anyways uh he says i know i have some friends that i used to uh work with back in dc they're out here now uh and they're doing a movie they're brothers it's a team of brothers they do special effects they're named the kyoto brothers and they're italian too you would you would like that and i go oh, that's cool and he and they go what's the movie well it's a science fiction movie and i said well, that's great but it's also a horror movie. Oh, that's cool. Kind of like Alien or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But then it's a comedy. And I go, oh my gosh, now you really got my attention. <laughs> and it just getting so, better and better, man. Keep Yeah, keep yeah. Right. <laughs> so so uh, I said, let me give you your name. Let me give, let me call um, Steve Kiero. Steve yeah. is kind of like one of the main spokesmen. Um, uh, the way they the the, the the trifecta of the Kyoto brothers, the way I've been, it's been explained to me by Stephen. Um, Stephen comes up with the big plan, like the squares, triangles. Charlie figures out how to draw them and color them in, and then Edward figures out how to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's finances. A, so it's a really so it's a really uh, good uh, model they have for uh, for what they do creatively. So, anyways, I get a call from Steve, and uh, Steve um, Kyoto says, uh, "So I understand from Edward, you're a fine you're a fine composer. Uh, this is what we need for our movie." So I go, "That's fantastic, oh, but you got to audition. I have nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do with the audition. Uh, you have to meet the criteria of the producers that they're working with." I go, "That's fine." And so I go to the Warner Brothers lot. There was a uh, screening of the movie. And there's probably about a good 30 composers and probably uh, their plus one, someone came with them. So there's maybe about 60 people in this room watching the movie. Uh, I, unbeknownst to me, I sat right next to Steve Kyoto because uh, I had I didn't know what he looked like. And every once in a while during the movie, I would. I would tip over and I go, oh my God, this movie is brilliant and it's creepy as hell. I love it. Because <laughs> I didn't know who it was because I knew it wasn't a composer because I knew all the other composers in the room and there are composers that are kind of name brand uh, guys, you know, and I thought, oh boy, I got to really bring my A game on for this. So I saw the movie and it's actually without, uh, with minimal, with no sound effects. Yeah. And just dialogue and there wasn't any track over it correct no no uh, the dickies song was put into it which was oh brilliant. okay i thought oh that's fantastic that is such a cool song that's a great um, intro by the way that's it's an a, amazing it's song that's perfect still you know 32 years later oh yeah and leonard uh leonard phillips who wrote the song he is a brilliant guy if you can ever get an interview with him he's coming out with a book by the way Okay. Uh, he, he had a book deal and uh, I think he mentions me in the book because we did a concert together. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know who the publisher is yet, but um, I'm really looking forward to that. He, he uh, and the only reason why I know is because his uh, PR people requested some photographs that we, you know, there was a, there was news media there. So there's some, yeah, it's really nice. Uh, photographs of uh, photography uh, done at that concert so anyways so anyways the song was brilliant and uh, I saw the movie and it was actually pretty darn creepy uh, without anything and I just I remember 
oh, a few years before that, I had seen a movie by uh, Richard Elfman, who's Danny Elfman's brother. Okay. The movie was called uh, Forbidden Zone. And I looked at that movie and I just thought that was the coolest movie. I said, I want to do a movie like that. Something that's bizarre, weird, and creepy. And kind of like, you know, you see the movie and you, you realize, you go, what, what the heck did I just see? <laughs> I have to see it again. <laughs> I can't believe, wait a minute. First of all, the title, Killer Clowns from Irish. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a, an outrageous name to think it's of. It's right on the money, right on the money. It's great. And then, and then it's got a, it's got a charm to it. You know, there's, you know, the acting has a certain cheesiness to it. And but then you have you have those great matte paintings. And I, I remember uh, when I finally got the movie, I told the guys, "Gosh, you know, that whole movie could have taken place in that beautiful spaceship. That is the coolest thing in the world." Uh, but anyways, so they uh, so at the end of the uh, screening, uh, they uh, the music director, his name is Bob Hunka, really sharp guy he bob hunk is the one that got the dickies to do the song and it was a perfect match um uh so um <clears throat> he said all right uh you're gonna get as you leave there's an envelope with a v vhs tape with time code on it and um visible time code and uh, if by in a week if you could pick a scene so uh, the scene i picked was when uh, mike and debbie go into the spaceship and mm -hmm they get chased around and then um the clowns march on to the uh the city and i thought that's perfect that encapsulates the whole movie you can basically see those whatever three or four minutes and uh, and get what the movie's about you know instead of these weird isolated scenes you know like you know if i did just if i did just the scene where the um which is a good scene where the clown uh, is uh doing this to the little girl and he has the big yeah hammer, the, big top the mallet right right if i did just that it would like okay but what about the rest this one has has everything it has it start it sets up the story you have a chase scene and then we we can establish the, the music theme for the killer clowns and the theme that disjointed uh, chord uh, motif uh, I'd actually written when I was in high school with uh, my band as a matter of fact uh, about a month ago I got together with the bass player from the band I go I don't know you probably don't remember this but there was a song that there was a song I was working on and you guys thought it sounded too jazzy yeah <laughs> that's the killer clowns theme he goes no kidding you're absolutely I go yeah no that's it so um so anyway, so I got the call like maybe after I delivered it, <laughs> delivered the, uh, and another thing I did too is I synchronized the video, the music to the video. So did everyone else. I mean, uh, you just, you know, it, it was considered hard. And those, it, sometimes people said, bring your cassette and the video and can you link, sync them up in the, in the office? Can you imagine that having audition? You're sitting there with a tape machine. You're letting <laughs> the video go by. You're pressing play, and everyone quietly listens for three minutes to see how, you know, how your music works. Yeah. It's like, it's like the Stone Age, you know. And so I said, "There's no way I'm going to be doing that because if I'm dropping this off, you know, I mean, there are times where I have had meetings. People come to the house, yeah. and I'll kind of tinkle at the piano scenes, or I'll conceptually talk about the music." play other examples 
uh, now it's like standard operating procedure. You have practically a broadcast version of what you're going to do yeah. for people to see and pick apart and approve and what have you. So anyways, I get a call maybe three or four days afterwards and I got it. And I was just so thrilled. I mean, I was just so thrilled. I, did, I got to I got to work on it right away. I had a meeting with the Kid Brothers at their studio. We went, we, spot, we spotted the movie, which is like figuring out where the music goes and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. I was just thrilled to death. I was just absolutely thrilled to death. And I, I probably, I spent four weeks writing it, uh, an additional three weeks sequencing it, because it was with uh, synthesizers, and then two weeks recording in Mexico. So it was about, about two months. First day of recording, was Halloween night. It was a Saturday night, <laughs> Halloween. And that was so cool. Because after the first day of recording, came home and, and the um, uh, I lived at like uh, in Hollywood, like just south of um, Sunset and Vine. And there was this house that was like uh, a big farmhouse that there were four units in it and everyone was having a party. And it was great. And they said, I said, I just got back from work. What did you do? I working on a, making music for a movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And you would think on Halloween that people would say, hey, how perfect. They're working on a crazy movie like that. This is the reaction. That's a weird name for a movie. You know? <laughs> I go, well, it's brilliant. I mean, it's got all these really great special effects and it's like bizarre as heck. And I loved it. I knew that it would find its audience. It just took took a while for it to find i mean we had when we initially had it in movie theaters the um uh the la weekly and the la times gave it a great review right and that's it's a good not sign, like a beginning sign. yeah it, it's not like now where you get the review basically before the movie comes out because reviewers have seen it yeah, and now everyone knows it's really cool, or that it got great, great, great reviews. You have to read the newspaper, then say, "Hey, let's go see this movie." Right. So, in that time, which is maybe eight days, the movie had moved from that theater to like another county, right, where no one knew that it was even coming. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, there were a couple. Uh, it did have local television um, commercials for a while to to uh, promote that it was going to be playing at the theater anyways so so people more people came the the second the the week that the movie was moved off to another theater then came to the original theater so anyways so i i don't think the movie had a proper screening for the press mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that was it i just know that uh, it got the attention um, I will say for the LA Weekly, uh, I went to school with John Gold and I said, John, because um, I knew he worked for the LA Weekly, mm -hmm. I said, John, he, John Gold, unfortunately, has passed away. He was an icon of uh, theater and restaurant reviews here in LA. Um, I says, I did this crazy movie. You don't have to see it and you don't even have to review it. I just know we went to school together and I think this is a crazy movie. You might find it amusing and so without even telling me he published a, a good review on it you know it that's really always great. a nice yeah yeah so anyway so that's it and 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 you know it just kind of disappeared and there was this lull between 82 and maybe 19 excuse me 1988 and 
1991 mm -hmm. when it finally got onto cable then little by little you would see you would hear it would get more play and the only way i knew it got more plays i would get statements that yeah. it got played and so uh little by little it gained notoriety and people would uh uh, you know, uh, aunts and uncles would play niece and nephew, then grandkids would, grandparents would play to grandkids. Now, now nine, you know, seven year olds are introducing their parents to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's come full round. So it's, it's become like this um, evolution of appreciation and I, it's still going strong and it's so wonderful. I mean, from me, from my perspective, I felt like I've met so many wonderful people. I've kind of have, I have this extended family around the world of, of nieces and nephews and maybe grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really, it's a, a wonderful feeling to know that something I worked on is endeared to so many people. Yeah, it makes a huge impact. And uh, I said prior about the, uh, the 32 years ago, I mean, it, even now it's still huge just recently got added onto Netflix, which is oh, yeah. a huge thing. Uh, congratulations on that. Oh yeah, and, and I think it's been on Netflix before. It's on a variety of, of uh, streaming services. Uh, the great thing about Netflix is the most popular, one of the pop bigger popular ones. Yeah, um, it's, it's up there. Even the on price. YouTube, YouTube even plays it. And just for the heck of it, I I took checked it out and watched the whole movie. It's unfortunately on, on YouTube, it's a low res. It's like, 48 uh for um 480 mm -hmm. instead of 1070 um definitely i looked at both on my ipad one on uh, youtube and then the netflix and netflix just that's a really <laughs> great it's a really great transfer i mean i think it's the transfer that i used for my concert uh, which was the original which is a transfer of the original negative that was color corrected by the kyoto brothers personally the 2018 concert I believe is what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. That um, you know, um, that was a lot of fun and that's that's being developed uh, mm -hmm. right now as uh because of all that's going on. I mean, my goodness, Funko Pop has more Funko Pop characters <laughs> coming out. Um, you know, for 2 years uh, Universal in Orlando had it and one this last year um Universal uh, Hollywood had it and it was I mean I couldn't believe it to me I was dumbfounded to see uh, I'm told that when the line is at capacity there's uh, between 1500 to 3000 people wow in line waiting for an experience that lasts maybe five minutes but I mean it's uh, it's worth I mean, it I would imagine there would be that many people lining up to see an experience that lasts an hour and a half if it True. was released as, a, as another movie, another permutation of the story. Yeah, but that just also goes to show, um, you know, how well received the movie is and how well yeah. it's aged. You know, this movie yeah. made an impact on a lot of people. Some negative, my, my mom, but it's a good thing though. My mom, yeah. said this was the movie that gave her chlorophobia. And I was like, <laughs> chlorophobia, what's that? I was like, maybe uh -huh. eight. And then uh -huh. she was like, whenever you get old enough, watch the movie and you'll understand. I was watching the movie uh, and I was like, this is great. How are you scared of this? She said, no, I am terrified of clowns. So, <laughs> well, I never, I never, I never had an affection for clowns. I, 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 and I don't know anyone that does. However, 
there there are various philosophies of clowning mm-hmm. that we're not aware of you know uh i remember seeing a family uh that one of their hobbies was getting dresses clown characters and doing going to hospitals going to and you know they were delightful people and their characters were delightful the uh the dad and mom did magic the kids did like um juggling and stuff yeah. like that and they had this they kind of look like i want to say like a, a variation of anime characters huh. you know what i mean they were actually when you see them you don't get scared they're actually pleasant the, their colors are a certain type of colors but there are ones that are like like whoa no there uh, there are clowns i've seen shown up to a a six-year-old party that you know would generate a <laughs> you nine- do not belong here <laughs> yeah generate a 911 call within a thousand feet of a child you know uh that kind of thing but um but uh it um when <clears throat> i remember returning my master tapes to the studio it was trans world entertainment that did the original and the agreement is that the tapes that you back then we used to there used to be this massive like real like about oh anyway some of them were big like they were half an hour long oh, the, the film reels no the uh, <clears throat> the um the audio reels oh, okay okay for two inch tape 20 it was about about this big running on a big machine that was like a, as big as a washing machine with like a eight horsepower electric motor in it you know they're running at a very fixed rate and uh I mean that was a big expense you know each one of those reels were some like 200 bucks a piece back then i'm sure now it's anyway people that want to produce stuff they want to go analog okay let's 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 not let's let's log in the first of all there's no undo yeah. <laughs> you got to get everything you, right on that if you one. want it you have to get right in your performance and if you want to do any editing you have to throw it onto digital then then back onto you know and, yeah. and um but anyways i i returned all of the tapes back to the studio and as I was uh, with the dolly as I was coming up the elevator uh there were some guys that were from the legal and accounting department because what's this from and I and I thought they'd be thrilled I said oh this is from killer clowns from outer space like oh god that thing's a dog that thing will never go this is way before it was even released we have we were still in post-production at that point we, we had we were starting to work on the sound mix this is no they just like they 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 put the flowers on the grave basically mm-hmm. for that and boy i would like i wish i knew who the hell they were i would like to I'd like to fix their wagon <laughs> <laughs> man um I'm, I'm trying to go through my notes um earlier you had said that the piece that you had made with your band back in high school mm-hmm. because uh in an interview you did say that you're in a thrasher heavy metal band that was considered yeah. acid rock and hard rock back then yeah, yeah um you also mentioned in another interview that you were in notre dame uh, cathedral and you wrote another piece and you had said that that would have been a really great piece for like a cavern scene and that was the right. music piece that was shown uh whenever uh they go inside of the i call it the big top because that's well, it's like the spaceship. reactor room of the yeah, spaceship. Yeah, the strobe, right. the strobe, that's what I'm thinking of. Right, right. And it's like they realize that this, um, you know, this this tent is actually some trans-dimensional spaceship. It's bigger than, it looks bigger than what it is outside, and they're probably in a different 
they're in a different dimension and everything. But absolutely, yeah, I had um, I had uh, been in France and I had seen the uh, uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame, and I, and I just like dreamed up that little uh, motif for that scene, and I got to use it. You know, that's why it that's why it, it helps being. Um, <clears throat> Let, let, let the world kind of make an effect on you and you keep writing. I mean, to, to say, well, I'm only going to write, do do my work if someone pays me. Well, that's good, but you want to be prepared with something. You want to bring something to the table. Yeah. You know, um, I think uh, Rachmaninoff gave advice to a pianist who was playing his music. He says, you know, you need to take time off to learn the world. And, and bring those experiences into your music. So I'm always always aware of that. You know, uh, when I, I've read letters of composers, because back then they didn't have uh, video blogs, they didn't have YouTube channels. So way back when, people used to write letters to, you know, like for instance, Mozart. You know, uh, would uh, would say, I need someone to come over while I'm working on this piece. Someone to come over and maybe. Uh, play cards two people play cards and talk to each other while I'm working because I just can't concentrate only on my work I need to have something kind of distracting me in the background. A white noise. Yeah, exactly, you know, and it's like um, You know, there's all sorts of um, dimensions you can get from reading um, uh, The memoirs of other of other people whose work that you admire. I was just reading about uh, Anton Bruckner um, recently and i realized boy i thought i had it bad you know uh, he, he, m m one one symphony of his in particular he had never heard performed in its entirety huh. you know during his lifetime uh i think uh, one um orchestra in vienna did a run through of just a couple of movements but it never got performed but yet he wrote three more symphonies you know and so it's like oh, there's a big lesson to be learned there you know you know just stick with it you know just because you, you can't get you can't allow yourself to be defeated you know what i'm saying yeah you gotta keep um, persisting you know because uh life will beat you down and life is hard life will beat you down and life will keep you down if you let it that's the key if you let it it's getting back up so it's like you learn these lessons from people from the past as well he 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 got back up and kept writing music you know yeah. is it what else is he gonna do give up you know that's not an option so uh so uh, anyway so uh, i was really thrilled i mean had i not you know gone to see that and been inspired to write a little music passage based on what i saw would it have been something else yeah it would probably have been something else would it be better i don't know would it be worse i don't know that that's what it was. Was there any other pieces um, that have a similar story like that that you wanted to throw in that you previously wrote that just didn't make the final cut or any uh, pieces of music that you had performed uh, and you were like, no, we can do better. You mean for this movie? Yeah, for, for Killer, Killer Clowns. Clowns. Yeah. Okay, for Killer Clowns. Well, the only thing that comes to mind is um, uh, toward the end, um, as I was finishing up writing the score, <clears throat> uh, Charlie was having his um, bachelor party. He had just gotten, he's going to be married pretty soon. He was going to have his bachelor party and it was on a certain day and a certain time. And I would have to be at a certain place and take the bus. 
And I felt myself from the early morning to like whenever I had to get on the bus to go wherever the party was, I felt myself rushing. And when I yeah. thought, I thought I finished the piece, I was listening to I go, this isn't right. I have to, you know. So I worked on it until like one o'clock in the morning. By that time, uh, I didn't care if I missed the bachelor party, but I found out that there was gonna be like an after party at their offices where yeah. they had sandwiches and stuff and other things that basically are unmentionable yeah unmentionable <laughs> what happens there stays there <laughs> yeah uh no it wasn't unmentionable but it was just like <laughs> anyways uh, uh so i felt really it was one o'clock in the morning i had left there and i felt very um satisfied mm -hmm. that what i did is gonna work i can play it back in my head it 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 sits well in the scene and that was the scene where um um clownzilla picks up dave and and uh, the police guy and he takes his badge takes off his, yeah. yeah so it's like uh it's basically when the spaceship blows up yeah, it's the. Uh, it's everything before the that, and then when uh, up until the pies hit them in the face at the very end. That whole scene had to be done right. You know, that was very ambiguous. Uh, I can't say the word, but ambiguous uh, to kind of set up the the sequel. I would think. Yeah, yeah, the the story kind of hung there. As a matter of fact, I found out from the the Kyoto brothers to tell you this too that John Vernon that played Officer Mooney. He, he said, hey guys, you, you want me to pop out of the uh, the clown truck too? I'll do that. But they would have had a call him for, he was the he was probably the highest paid actor. And you know, they had him say, okay, you stay in this room and I'm gonna shoot all your scenes and then you can go home. <laughs> but I think, they would, I think they couldn't afford to have him show up another day, you know? Uh, but he wanted to, he wanted to do that. He wanted, I guess they could have shot that inside the studio. But that was kind of like uh, an afterthought. You yeah, know, that, that he was going to be there. So, because he wanted to be in the sequel, John Vernon, veteran actor, said, "I got to be in the sequel." That would in have that been case, pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, and you know the the uh, actor that uh, Royal Dano that played the uh, the farmer at the very beginning. I mean, he's been in countless character actor in just countless studio movies. All you know, all over. You know, his the list of his credits were very very high. It would be funny to see him and his dog show up in a sequel <laughs> interesting mooney is definitely one of those people uh, whenever you think of killer clowns you're like okay i remember mooney he was one of those antagonist characters and his right. death was is pretty much one of the main staples of the film like whenever you think of it it's like uh you can make a dummy of yourself but you're not gonna make a dummy out of me and then right right that's his death <laughs> i my favorite line of his, it says, is, I got through Korea, I can get through this bullshit. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend watched the movie last night before the interview, and we were laughing at that scene together, and uh -huh. <laughs> we loved it so much. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when you think, you know, and listen, I used that line. Um, I, I know a lot of veterans, and mm -hmm. sometimes when, when I say veterans, we're talking about veterans like, not not veterans veterans that were vietnam and before world war ii and sometimes sometimes they fall out of 
they, they lose perspective. And I said, listen, you went through Korea and Nam, you can get through this. This is no big deal, you know? Uh, so that's what, that, that's what made me laugh about that scene. You know, it's like, if I got through that, I can get through anything. But uh, yeah, he was a, he was a, a great uh, character. He, he loved the Kyoto Brothers and he really loved the, uh, the, whole, uh, the whole idea of the movie. Yeah. And it's funny that his, um, his in-person loved that whenever inside of it, he's so full of himself and he's just mm-hmm. like, nope, <laughs> we're not going to deal with this. I'm going to sit back, light up my cigar, and we're just going to let this blow over. <laughs> his whiskey and coffee. Yeah. Right, right. But the way he died was so brutal. Yeah. Oh, wow. In the concert, in the concert, the, the sound effect of him being pulled and clonking against the iron was just like just rang out it was really awesome his oh man but the the whole reveal of his um what would you call that like a second death so to say like just right the whole that's really dark. oh that that's like that's so cruel for a pg-13 being... movie too you would have yeah you know, going into that you wouldn't have expected seeing someone turn into a yeah movie. Puppet and it just gave that much for the gore fans you yeah know, it touched it touched on all the uh, the genre points, you know, because there are some people that just love gore. Yeah, the know. gore hounds of the the community. Yeah, yeah. There actually isn't that much blood throughout the movie, too. You know, no. you see it a few times. Whenever uh, in the very beginning, when there's the reveal, uh, whenever Mike pulls away the uh, the cotton mm-hmm. candy and, and it reveals his face. Uh, yeah, Farmer, I believe, is who. It yeah, is. and right. then uh, you have Chubby coming later and drinking out of the silly straw. You have right, right, but that's kind of gross. Pretty much blood. No, no, it isn't. I mean, you don't see people get eviscerated. And the Kyoto Brothers, they had a specific reason for that too, because they they needed to maintain. They wanted a PG thirteen rating because if they went into R, now were the Freddy Nightmare on Elm Streets were those those were R, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, it was R. mainly due to the language, but they also was because uh, I believe it was. 500,000 gallons of blood they used for Johnny Depp's scene. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. all together, but I know they used a huge amount for his right. death scene alone, and that was with, right. you know, the whole rotating room where right. they turned it upside down. Yeah. Great movie. Well, you got to figure back then, you know, there's like, okay, we want to market this movie. There was a, a, an R, a hard R would make a lot of money if, like, all the people of that age group saw it. A PG-13 families you know, parents are going to be able to take their kids to it. And when it shows on cable, you know, uh, more kid, more is going to be more appealing. Yeah. You don't have to worry about dad and mom. It's all, and mom. It, it all, it all comes down to economics, basically. Um, as a composer, I, I know this is going a little bit back, but mm-hmm. was this your first time ever using a all female choir? Because for the, uh, the big top burger scene, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you had said in an interview that uh, they use an all-female choir. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, I got to tell you, honestly, um, choral, I had not yet gotten around to choral works. I mean, even when I was in uh, college, I mean, that I, I never, uh, it was mostly instrumental. I hadn't yet uh, dealt with uh, choral works. So, um, and, and by the way, that was a sample oh, okay. uh, of, of, of a, a female choir. Um, 
and you know it's interesting i i watched the scene and it sounds so quiet yeah I, I, i'm thinking i could barely hear it would be great to have a female choir plus a boys choir yeah. on top of it that would even be a children's choir that would be even creepier yeah especially for that scene i was watching it last night and i, I thought that it was silent for a moment but i like i mm. paid really close attention and i could right. briefly hear it well, it's interesting using a choir like, for instance, Candyman. Uh, Philip Glass yes. uses a choir kind of like you would use a string section, mm -hmm. right? And you know, when you figure, let's say, um, Psycho had a strings and just an entire string section playing the whole score, whereas uh, you know you, you picked a very particular color uh, voice of the orchestra, and in Candyman he picked. A choir, which is brilliant, but he almost used it like a string section because people can vocalize percussive sounds and, and what have you. Um, but uh, that would be, I would love to, I, there, you know what? There was a movie I did use a choir for oh. that I wrote for choir. It was, I wasn't the composer. I was okay. the music director and conductor and orchestrator. It was a movie called Lady in White. It was a, uh, a ghost story. It starred um, Lucas Haas, who was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw, oh, Lucas Haas was, was a big child actor. And uh, at the time he had done um, a movie with Harrison Ford. And uh, so he was in this movie. Anyways, it was a ghost story with a little kid with family shot back, uh, back East. And, um, it had a choir was very uh, prevalent in that particular yeah. movie. That that so. definitely helped with the score. I I really love the uh, the Candyman one, and I'm hoping that they continue to use that method in the new one that's coming out, um, or mm -hmm. if they're going to use a little bit more of the integration of the uh, the newer age and era. Right. Um, speaking of, the <laughs> and we're rolling. Um. So so back to what I was saying. As a composer that's normally used to using, you know, your instruments and whatnot, Christopher mm -hmm. Young, uh, which did Sinister, I, mean, I I expressed in the beginning, I absolutely love that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was one of his first times using a lot of kind of, uh, I guess you could say electronica in a way, or um, digital aged sounds. And I wanted to know how you outlook on that versus, or using the newer era versus older era and if you have an appreciation for the people that use the older era more well i have a, an appreciation for chris young um first of all he's a just the sweetest guy in the world and a very 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 innovative composer and um we went to school together actually i went i finished a year before him and we studied from the same composition teacher and um he instilled now, this was a composer that did not compose. The composition teacher we studied from was a comp uh, was not a composer that wrote for media at all. I mean, he he would get like um, commissions for like a cello concerto or a concerto for orchestra or uh, various uh, orchestral or choral works, you know. And he had a very 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 high standards, and he was very much into innovation breaking rules of course you had to learn rules sort of yeah 
you have to like you know study a composer and be able to write something like that composer even if it's just like a piano piece as a model yeah you know as something to start with it's kind of like doing push-ups or something and then you branch out on your own and i i think um um, um christopher young did that in spades as far as innovation yeah. i'm um the movie you were talking about is what? Sinister. Sinister, yes. Uh, when was Sinister cool. done? I don't. I don't want because I'm getting my I'm getting my titles of horror movies all uh, mixed the up. First Sinister was done in 2012, and the newest adaptation. Okay. Was all right. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, uh, because um, there was another. Sh- uh, someone asked me about that, and I actually heard the score, and he employed some. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. Dead, James and Chelsea, shout out. They're great. Uh, I love them. Yeah, yeah. They're really really wonderful um they um okay so in that film he used he remember what i was telling you before when i was doing the cherokee creek i wanted to like get some elements and do something into that's basically what he did Mm -hmm. And, and and it's a technique by a composer named carl stockhausen who found sounds and put them together in a way where they made music you know and usually if you have a musical mind you can figure out how to express yourself or express musically with rhythm and tone and, and cadence uh, music like that. Uh, but that was absolutely, uh, absolutely brilliant and innovative. And uh, he just celebrated a birthday not too many oh. days ago. Christopher Young. Happy birthday, Christopher uh, yeah, Young. Happy belated uh, birthday. Yeah, yeah. Did you actually ever get around to watching that? I know that interview happened about maybe two years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what I did... <clears throat> is um i think the the parameters of that were they want to know what my opinion was on various scores i go let's make it interesting i'll watch scores i'll listen to scores of movies i have not seen Mm -hmm. so uh all the uh their their um, subscribers uh sent a bunch of titles to me and i picked out the ones i liked and sinister was one of them yeah i had not seen so uh, oh i'm sorry continue (laughs) No, that's fine. No, and and um, when I had listened to it, and you asked me if I'd seen the movie yet, and is it okay if I haven't seen the movie yet? Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. I have a backlog You're of a movies. You're a very busy man. <laughs> I have a back- it's a big treat for me if I can get down to sit and see <laughs> the movie. There are some movies I've seen so many times. It's, Any that stand out as your favorites that you can? Sit yeah, there but they're not they're not horror, not necessarily horror movies. And it's that's like fine. They're, they're, I mean there's a movie that uh i mean there, there's even there's videos picking this movie apart by frame by frame yeah uh, it, you're gonna freak out at this title but the movie pinocchio the disney adaptation yeah or sorry yeah. the uh, the animated yeah okay. the 1941 i mean that oh brother that is a complicated movie there's a lot going on in that movie. There's, 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 um, there's betrayal. There is unconditional love. There's retribution. Uh, there is. Um, I want to be uh, a real boy. What's that? I want to be a real boy. Well, you have to earn it. You have to. You have to, You have to earn it. There is. Uh, you know, he has to come to terms with all the. You know, he he was <laughs> he was uh, seduced uh by the uh temptation of uh immediate satisfaction 
with the cat and the, the fox and he pays for it dearly. And then his father has to come after him to save him unconditionally, unconditional love because he wants to save his boy only because he loves his little boy. And his son realizes that he owes so much to his dad for this uh, unconditional love that he now has to save his dad because his dad got into uh, peril. You know, he got um, swallowed up by the whale mm -hmm. and now he's going to help his father get out of the whale. You know, uh, there's just so much going on in that movie. So much symbolism. They knew exactly what they were doing when they made that movie. Let me and tell you. you. you also and the music works is so integral to that movie. Yeah. You so, anyways, you, you ask about a movie I've seen about a million times. That's one of them. And you could say it's a horror movie because look at it. He 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 dumb. You know, it's almost like a Dostoevsky sort of thing. You know, if you if you imbue your life with uh, eating cake and, and 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 bathing in warm water and just with just um, with pleasures, you're gonna dumb yourself down to the point where you're gonna want to create chaos just to have something exciting to to live for, right? Yeah. And what happens to him? He his brain digresses to the point where he becomes a donkey. How that's horrifying. When I saw that was a kid, it was absolutely horrifying. I thought to myself, oh my God, how, how did that happen to him? And you know, you see it in different periods of your life and you realize how he got there. He put himself there, yeah. you know, it was, he then put himself here. He, you know, his dad said, listen, just go to school, come back. You know, I'll have food waiting for you, you know? <laughs> no, he veers off. Now, his first day, he gets suckered into joining this, um, uh, this, uh, this carnival, you know? And, uh, so anyways, that, that, that's a horror movie in there. And then when well, they get sucked that they get eaten by a, a, a massive whale, you know, that's that they horrifying. have to escape from. You know, yeah. You're old to watch like, Whoa. Right. As a little kid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but there's a lot, you watch that as, as an adult, there's a lot of lessons to learn. Wow. It's just packed full of them. That's why you know, those, those were based on a, a series of articles that really? uh, those stories, the story appeared in chapters in some magazine and that's where Walt Disney discovered it. Um, uh, it was an actual, it's an actual, um, the author was Italian, the, uh, uh, author. And, uh, I actually have the 78s of the original radio broadcast they did like in the 1930s. It's all in Italian where, um, they go through the whole, the story is actually far more complicated than what's in the movie because the articles go over like a period of a year. It's like a novel, like a large novel. But um, anyways, so boy, I hope I'm not disappointing people by talking about Pinocchio. No, we're interviewing <laughs> you. You're helping me learn more about yourself and you're helping me learn more in general because I wouldn't have Oh yeah, that. and it's like, there's a, another movie called, um, it's a Dr. Seuss story. <laughs> The five thousand fingers of Doctor T, where there's this horrible, evil doctor who um, kidnaps kids and makes them play piano, makes them practice piano. Sounds more like island. an Stein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've probably seen that movie several times. Also, it's great color, great production, great great music score, and that was that was considered back then a B movie. It wasn't. It would be the movie that would be playing. Uh, like after the main feature, you would see this other movie, and sometimes, the you know when you're when you're in second place, sometimes you try harder. And so some of yeah. the, some of the movies were uh, were were really uh, 
Excellent. Um, a little bit about what you just said, um, trying harder. I know you said at the very beginning that you were up against a lot of higher, I, I guess, higher class. Well, I would say guys, guys that had more credits than I did at the time, and they yeah. certainly had more resources too. Whenever you came out on top, did you did you feel like that was like a uh, an underdog story? No, I just, when I found out that I got the job, I realized I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot <laughs> I really, of work. I really get to work. I mean, uh, no, what is it? Uh, I think there's several sports that if you showboat, that you get demoted, kind of thing. Like um, yeah. I know in Japanese sumo wrestling, if they see you smile with pride, boom, you lose the you lose the match. Wow, you know, kind of never, thing. Huh. So, so yeah, it's like one of the things that they they get, they have to show like complete humility in in, in sumo. Um, but uh, you know, it didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even cross my mind. I just realized I had a lot of work to do. This has got to be really great. This has got to be as good as I could possibly make it. You know. Yeah. And, and it paid off. The score is absolutely amazing. I mean, me and my folks are really dumbfounded by how great it was. Like, we absolutely love that. We added it to our playlist uh, on Spotify, so it just plays and pops up every now and then. And, you know, when, when I finally uh, came to – well, there's several people. It's not, not just myself, but, but other people uh, and I. Uh, his name is Peter Hackman. He used to be a, uh, an executive at Verez Saraband Records and uh, now he's a manager of uh, uh, music artists. And Peter one day said, hey, what's going on with Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I go, well, it's funny that you ask because I was just thinking of uh, since the music, even though it was recorded with synthesizers, it's so classic in nature, compositionally, I can easily just transcribe the music I wrote for the synthesizers for a real orchestra and it would sound really cool and so he says well let's let's pursue that right and then uh, and I thought uh, and I also also acquainted very well with Bear McCreary and I thought how fun would it be for him to play on it do do something you know so uh, he was like oh man he would be I said you kidding that's the best thing so (laughs) so that's how that came about you know that um, uh, you know it, it it has the music on its own has legs but Mm -hmm. married with the film it's a lot of fun oh yeah and it pairs very well i know you said that you had to give a lot of it or some of the scenes a lot more thought Mm -hmm. than most people would really think i know you can um sorry you connected the marching scene to Mm -hmm. tanks invading poland Oh yeah, yeah. There was there was the point a point where there's this weird carnival where they had this big, kind of maniacal machine vacuuming up people. And I'm sure with today's you know with a with a bigger budget and all that, they could have probably done something very um, elaborate. But it, for the time, it was pretty good. But it was watching that. By the way, watching that without music was really creepy. I know you said a lot of other composers had it like a, a really eerie kind of silent thing, but you yeah some guys some guys did like a like a like a demented little calliope, but I I, just, I said I'm gonna just heck I'm gonna treat it as if it's literally like uh, tanks during World War II. If you were mm-hmm. watching a, a documentary or some epic movie about World War II where tanks are just rolling into uh, 
into Poland and just completely uh, taking over w without any contest, you know, uh, the helpless people. So uh, that's how he treated it and it works fine. As a matter of fact, the Kieros had never even heard that. I think I told Steve Kieros, he says, I'm gonna just treat it really serious. I'm gonna treat it like, uh, like I described, like uh, tanks rolling into Poland. And he goes, well, I don't know about that. Maybe that's a little <laughs> over the top. But when I did it, and he says, it this worked. works really good. And they had never heard it. They had, like, the first time they heard it was on the soundstage. Oh, wow. I don't know why. I think the Kyoto Brothers only, they were never there all three at one time. It was always one of them were there on various days and they only got to see whatever I was working on at the time. And they, 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 whatever I was doing, mm -hmm. it, it was working for them. You yeah, know. you weren't able to have much communication for them because um, they were busy they were doing, doing their own thing. I don't know what they were doing. They, you know, because you have to understand they do lots, they do, it's like me too. I do commercials. I do, um, I mix other people's music. I, I play on other people's soundtracks and stuff. We do all sorts of stuff. So I think for them, they went back to probably working on a commercial or something like that. And I remember saying, are, are you guys ever going to come to the studio? Because John, listen, we're just booked. I, the only This is the only day I can come. I don't know what you're going to be working on, but I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we trust uh, in you. This is why we Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was one scene I remember uh, that that all three brothers were there mm -hmm. and there was a, a backbeat on a snare drum that Charlie said, you know what? It kind of reminds me. I know the rest of the music doesn't sound like this, but that drum, the way it's working in there sounds like the mod squad and we don't like mod squad. <laughs> like, okay, I'll take the drum. Drum's we'll coming take out. it out. Fine. Forget <laughs> about it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even, I, I, I didn't even know where that came. Listen, if it reminds me of something, reminds you of something, you don't like them i'll take it out you know because you got you have to understand people that are very creative that have spent years you know a lot of time conceiving something if there's something that bothers them about it mm -hmm. it's gonna always bother them yeah and the worst thing i could see is like you know someone's you know the guy saying oh that drum oh i wish i was there on that day to take it out it yeah. was so horrible and they so, kind of had to live with that for the rest of their life because that was yeah, their I personal mean, project I've worked on I've worked on albums with other artists and they would tell me I know it's gonna seem crazy to you but it's never gonna it's never gonna leave me it's gonna haunt me forever there's this one spot I, I need that instrument to come down significantly mm -hmm. and I go okay I because I understand that it doesn't matter whether I think it's important or not there it's their song yeah know, or their their piece of music and I'm helping them create it you know yeah so um just a few more things before mm -hmm. we start wrapping this up um so i i play the electric guitar right now it broke right before quarantine which I no heard. yes and i you mean you're gonna you, you were gonna you were gonna do your version of the killer clown march for you? i i actually was gonna learn one of the Dude. songs for you so i could do it and it broke and i was so mad I and was i would like, say, i would i right. would pull out a drum and i'll play drums yeah. while, you, while you play that <laughs> So is it so it's electric guitar and it's busted is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't have the proper tools I needed for it. I have the wrong screw bit. I need or a drill bit I need to be able to take it out and then I the don't trust have rod, the you string. Mean? Yeah. Okay. And I don't have the strings uh, because You need I a setup. Right before. Yeah. So you I, need to take a place to do a setup. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. bought it from a pawn shop because I really loved the look of the, the guitar and I've taken care of it ever since. Uh, what kind of guitar, guitar is guitar it? Center. Uh, it's a Vendetta. Oh, cool. Oh, you gotta, you gotta like, see it's what it looks like. Yeah. Fuck it. Pull it in Oh, the killer. Yeah. Killer. I you know what? Is it, that's not a... Gosh, let me... Okay, now that... We're, now we're doing show and tell. Hold on. <laughs> show and tell. This has a similar body to it. It's a Warwick bass. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a similar kind of design. This is a... Uh, here, let me put this away. Let me put this away because I'll tell you why I have to put it away right now. No, you're when fine. I can sit here and talk <laughs> with all this stuff in front of me while I'm holding on to this. Yeah. Anyways, here's another shot of it. There you go. It's beautiful. It's a very beautiful guitar. This is a Warwick bass. So beautiful. Okay. <laughs> a custom Warwick bass that technically I have no... There's no reason why I should be playing that. It's, it's very too, beautiful. It's a, very it's a beautiful gorgeous guitar. bass. It's a, it's actually, although it it's kind, of, it has a similar um, um, pickup setting as a uh, a Fender Jazz bass combo. Okay. The way the, the way the pickups are set, but it's 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 really an awesome instrument. I really have no business playing it but uh, but sometimes i a friend a friend of mine say hey you want to borrow a bass because yeah, i'll say what are you doing i'm doing this project oh wow you want to borrow one of my bases i go sure pick one up from the wall like i don't know what to get I don't, i'll just pick the the mexican fender you know i'm fine <laughs> with that you know i mean there's a lot of a lot of great records have been recorded <laughs> recorded by mexican fender precision bases yeah. made in mexico so and he goes no, no no you should play this this is what you should play i just had a setup done on this it's, it's really great the strings have been changed and all that kind of stuff. i insist you take it <laughs> yeah so it's like i took that so but i know i know I, I'm, I'm sorry that you weren't able to get a a setup on that uh um uh, i'll definitely have to forward you a video of it sometime once i get it done quarantine's over uh -huh. i'll definitely oh yeah i'd love to see it video. love to see it um, love to hear it yeah with that yeah and do 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 whatever you want i'll, I'll post it on my social media oh thanks <laughs> we're in a heavy metal band i wanted to know if you also still carried that love for metal and what some of your favorite bands were because i i love oh yeah the metal genre okay i'm really bad with band names i mean but like okay there's the classic metallica yeah right? of course and, and and there's tons of other bands okay uh, lacuna coil mm -hmm. i can listen to them forever you know and uh you know it's, it's just so, recently i found out they had been together since the mid 90s oh wow and they're still together they were called something else and uh, i really love that um so those are the only two that come up the top of my head sometimes i'll tell uh <clears throat> Alexa to uh, you know Alexa play me metal she, you know. is she listening to you right now I know she can no she's not she was it should be turning Netflix. on no no it's it's <laughs> Alexa's downstairs uh, but uh, I do I do have a big appreciation for metal when my uh, when the, the guitar player that plays on the reimagine album he's a big metal head major metal head uh, Jonathan Padilla he plays the uh, rhythm guitar and lead guitar and uh, I just I, I just love it you know I just really love the sound I, I love I love listening to it with earbuds or headphones because mm -hmm. it's like the imagery 
it's you know when they produce them and when they here's what's interesting when they play it live it's just like boom out there <laughs> but you hear all you hear all the parts yeah right you know what i mean when you hear the produced album you hear all the image imagery of where they placed everything and um you know especially metallica everything's like so musical oh, you so know great. like that black album is like wow mm -hmm. that's an incredible piece of work. I, man. I'm, I must have seen i must have seen the making of video of that album like five or six times mm -hmm. you know um and i can, still can't understand why they replaced this snare with a sample i just don't get it because that was your pet peeve yeah i mean well i think it's because there's i think record companies and think that they want some sort of consistency and for some reason they control the drums like that mm -hmm. and there's, there's some engineers that when they mix stuff they just like replace it there, that's a whole debatable issue i'm yeah. not even going to go into it but but when i heard the making of and i'm hearing them play i'm hearing him like live it's like the camera is sitting there in front of him playing I go, it sounds great why did you uh, why did you replace some of the drums with samples i mean you can't yeah. figure it out there's a guy um you probably familiar with him uh i'm acquainted with his name is rick beato okay. he plays like about 10 different songs that were mixed by the same guy of different bands mixes of different bands mixed by the same engineer <laughs> he points out the snares on each one of these albums are exactly the same <laughs> um while we're in the music territory uh yeah. right before we wrap this up um i would definitely love to see y'all come and do exactly what y'all did in 2018 here in texas at some point yeah we're working on it man i wish i could tell you everything but all i know is that uh we're, we're dealing with uh people in high places not mm -hmm. not high people uh but <laughs> but people people that uh can help make it happen that's 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 what i'm happy about uh, i'm very very once th this covid thing kind of put a damper on it yeah but uh, this is the time where we do planning for mm -hmm. when the covid gets released because <clears throat> i think it's going to be a while for big venues to open up again mm -hmm. uh but it will come to pass that this will happen it's just not yes. gonna happen soon it's, it's, uh there i got interviewed by a nine-year-old horror fan wow and he asked me imagine getting interviewed by a nine-year-old how old are you i'm 15 and i'm 26 okay imagine getting imagine inter getting interviewed by a four-year-old <sighs> okay and a four-year-old okay. asks you where do you see yourself in five years kind of intimidating right well i had an answer uh, for him I, I said well i have this concept for a live to film concert here it's back here you can see it back behind me by the way i when i see it on my screen it looks reversed right you can uh, see it's it. mirrored yeah but what about you uh no it's it's on your uh if you're since you're facing me it's on your right but, facing but the lettering me. isn't backwards no no it's, it's perfect right, okay yeah okay okay so i pointed to the thing I, this concert is i'm working to the uh to the the end of the means that i'm working to is where uh -huh. this concert will be a regular attraction that happens uh around the world you know like the, a worldwide the, tour you know whether it's whether it's the dickies playing the song or another orchestra playing uh, another uh punk band playing the song whether it's me conducting or other conductors 
you know, conducting, I'm fine with other people conducting the score to this. Uh, what becomes part of the um, live to film music repertory because it's so much fun. I can't tell you, if you, if you comb through um, YouTube, you'll see people that were there at the concert, they took footage on their cell phones. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. It was absolutely so fun. And my SoundCloud has some uh, excerpted recordings. Oh, so like the live footage of it. Like yeah, that we have. Well, on SoundCloud, we have the extra archived, some archived audio that okay. you can hear there. I would and, love to hear that. Yeah, it's on my SoundCloud. It's okay. like, it's on the playlist. But um, uh, it was a lot of fun. So anyways, so this kid said, what do you see? Well, in five years, that's going to be one of the things I would like to see as being a um, uh, part of the repertory of live to film music. So. Yeah. Um, one so that's thing. that's all I can oh. say about the concert. Gotcha. But yeah. you come to Texas, absolutely. I love to come. I love to come to, all over the world. Oh yeah. Um, there's actually a convention here. I would love to see you and the Kyoto Brothers at uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend. I know they're having. That's awesome. A, um, a like a video con uh, since it got pushed back from May to September, uh, where they're inviting right. guests to come on and you know talk about themselves, talk about the movie, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, but if if I meet you in person, I'm, I would love for you to sign my guitar. Oh, love I'd love to, man. I'd absolutely love to. And you're gonna get you're gonna get a, a setup on it before. Oh then, yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it'll be even better if I can play it for you in person and play. Yeah, it. yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Um, whereabouts in Texas do you live? Um, the DFW area, uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Oh, cool. Okay. That's yeah, cool. so it's pretty much like the heart of. Well, one thing I would like to do uh, if. I get invited to a convention instead of less like sitting at a table and like signing stuff. I'd like to like perform. Oh, so yeah. whether it's like with my band or my DJ set that I have, I started doing a DJ set when I was in Orlando uh, last um, Halloween. Uh, there was uh, <clears throat> a club that invited me um, to do the, uh, to do a, uh, a DJ set and I had never done a DJ set. So I took a month, over a period of month, I prepared an hour, and that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. And right now, the the club is it's supposed to be a relatively famous club, and I gotta look at the name because I feel I feel bad that I forgot the name of the club. It's like a historic club. Oh, okay. Um, and it is. Of course, the second I see it, I'll go over. Going down. Here we go. Got the Your hands roller. are gonna get tired. Uh, <laughs> Stonewall, the Stonewall. There we go. Huzzah! Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's what I would really like to do. Because I mean, you know, sit behind a table and like sign stuff, and people give you money, and it's like, well, I'd like to give them more than just like I, I don't mind signing something, but I just yeah. don't want that to be the only thing. It's got. I, I like to bring an experience you know, um, uh, with me. Yeah. Well, Mr. Masari, um, I think that's going to wrap everything up. I just want to say thank you so much again for coming and spending your time with me. Thank uh, you, Trinidad. <laughs> thank you so much. You got a great um, voice. You got a, you know, uh, I, I'm looking forward to when you release this and I'll, I will promote it on my social media and be, so much. 
be brutal when you cut this. If you have to cut it down to where it's only 15 minutes, hey, that's that's the way it works. Uh, and I, I'm sorry it got dragged on a little bit past. I know you said you had other work you had to do. Yeah, uh, I do. We're, we're doing okay, just as long as we work. Because sometimes it's, these things go on for three and a half hours. Really? <laughs> when I, when wow. I met with Demi James, we were there for three at least a three solid hours. And they, they cut theirs down to 40 minutes. And I'm really happy that they did. Um, but uh, I think it was half hour or 40 minutes, something like that. Uh, it was uh, 40 something minutes. I, I, just, yeah, yeah. I had recently watched it again. So you're going to cut all the crazy stuff out and yeah, I'll go through yeah. and edit it. That's and good. It, it, sh- cool. it shouldn't be too long. Cool, uh, but cool. like I said, thank you so much for coming and talking with me. I thank you, man. So very much. And, uh, you know, I, I like your style. You got a good, um, good broadcast rapport. You have a good, uh, good diction, good, good cadence and, uh, to your, presentation your voice presentation so keep it up is there any last thing you would like to say to the listeners of the podcast yes thank you thank you so much for keeping killer clowns alive it's it's because of you all the fans out there that you keep killer clowns alive and we so much appreciate it and it does not it goes very we are so appreciated and it doesn't go ignored and uh we are working to give you guys something new uh with the killer clown brand and uh that's what i look forward to and uh please contact me on instagram or facebook or twitter and uh you want to give that a little shout out real quick yeah that's it you know it's basically john masari and i'm on twitter on facebook and and i'm on um, instagram yeah, I'll so, leave a link for that uh, whenever sure. I post it in the description to help you out. And if anyone has any music or artwork, anything you want to send me, some cosplay video, I always share it. I mean, you know, it just it takes boom, share, share. You know, there's sometimes I'm waiting for something. Uh, sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll share someone's artwork or something through. like that to my story or to my post, whatever. Yeah. whatever. Be happy to. Uh, uh, happy to uh, spread the love yes sir and on that note i would like to thank everyone else for listening to night of the creep cast and i hope you all have a blessed day thank you <laughs>